You know, we live in a society that's pretty litigious, isn't it? I mean, we, we uh, the courts, courtrooms, and, you know, not certainly not all of that's bad. But we live in a society that's even uh, become interested in this with TV. How many of you remember the original, Ronnie, you will, the original court show, The People's Court, with Judge Wapner? You remember that? Yeah. He, he was pretty nice, and uh, he was way before you guys' time. But in recent years, we've had new court, many court shows. Uh, Judge Judy, she's mean, boy. Ah, there's no way. Cindy wants to take me to court. I am not going before Judge Judy. Judge Alex, he is pretty nice. Uh, I don't know if that's a gender issue with those two. or Judge Joe Brown. Oh, no. <laughs> there he is, yes. He shaved for the, the first picture is what that was. Well, we're going to look tonight in 1 Corinthians 6. It's an interesting passage, a passage I've never preached on and that, that I'm not sure I understood properly uh, until really spend some time with it this week. And if you're, you're 12, 14, 15, you may go at first, okay, this is about lawsuits. What does this have to do with me? It's far bigger than that. It, it's, in fact, it's, it's, uh, the lawsuits are just a symptom of really uh, the problem, but it, it does have to do with uh, a legal uh, issues in a society that was very interested in, in legal uh, things. So let's dive into 1 Corinthians 6. And here's the first thing. You and I are going to have problems with people. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. You, you are going to. <clears throat> verse 1, if any of you has a dispute with another. Now, I don't even think that it says if there. Uh, if any of you has a dispute, you will. Okay? It's not, you know, you know not if you will. It, Dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? <clears throat> I was going to make a bad saints joke about the football team and taking it before the saints, but that wouldn't be right, would it, at this point? They were having problems with people. You're going to have problems with people. The only people who don't have problems with people are the people in the cemetery. Now, depending on where they are in smoking or non-smoking, they have no problems or lots of problems, Correct. But I don't know in hell if you have problems with people, but you have all kinds of problems in hell. So you don't want to go there. But the only people we know for sure that don't have people problems are the people who are in the cemetery. The rest of us have people problems. And that we're going to have people problems. 2,000 years ago in Corinth, they had them, and we're going to have them. You know, one thing Charles Lowry said several times is that the reason we have people problems is we have our Adam suits on, (laughs) our sinful nature right? And, and the problem is, I don't, I've got mine on, but so do you. And, and no, no matter how much we're filled with the Spirit, which greatly helps, we still have a sinful nature and that we're going to have problems with one another, okay? Here's the second thing he says. Try to work your problems out in private. In other words, when you've got problems with people, this starts in second grade, maybe we'd say fourth grade when they can begin to grasp some of this stuff, All the way to the nursing home, try to work your problems out privately. In other words, not on a public uh, stage. In verses 2 through 6, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, and you don't know, let me pause there. You know, saints, as a Christian, you are a saint, okay? You may love the cowboys, which means you're not going to heaven someday, uh, but... If you're, you're a Christian, you are a saint, okay? You are a saint. That is a, a word for a believer. Okay. 
And if you're to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? This is going to be very interesting. How much more the things of this life? Verse 4. Therefore, if you have disputes with such matters, appoint as judges even men of little account in the church. I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother goes to the law against another, and this is in front of unbelievers. Now, here's a little background. The church in Corinth is made up of probably people who come from Jewish backgrounds and non-Jewish backgrounds. The Jews grew up, if you grew up a strict Jewish person, you would never have considered taking another Jewish person before a civil court. You just wouldn't have done that. That would have really been blasphemy against the law. And even in the synagogues, they had courts of three set up. So Andy and Reggie are having a land dispute. They would come, and they would probably be on the court of three, so we would be in trouble there. We'd have to elect a new court to settle their dispute. And and you would try to settle it, you know, I guess upstairs in the third floor. Uh, or in the fellowship hall, but you tried to, you, you, the, the Jewish people actually had set up in their synagogues, our version of the local church, where you took care of your civil issues. And I think this is important. He's talking civil issues here. He's not talking about someone, you know, chops grandma's arm off. You, you, that's a criminal issue, and you've got bigger issues there. But he's, he, he, the Jewish people, the idea of taking their, their things to a non-Jewish person was completely out of the ballpark. They wouldn't even thought about doing it. But the Greek people, this was not their way at all. In fact, the Greek people were very litigious. They, they enjoyed trials. Now, you've got to remember, this is a day and age when you did not have a cell phone. You did not have a, a laptop. You did not have an iPad. You didn't have an old-fashioned base station computer. You didn't have a radio. You didn't have a TV. You didn't have a phone. Are you getting the picture? And so for entertainment, if you lived in a decent-sized town, you, you went to, to legal cases because they were tried out in public forums. And most men in, in, a, in a city at some point or another probably would serve on a jury or serve on some uh, aspect of the, the court in the legal system, and they enjoyed this. They, they enjoyed the banter of it. They enjoyed the fact that they were able to, to, uh, to get some freedom and some fairness in a public area. But what Paul is saying here is, as Christians, they're not understanding how they're looking to a lost world. Now, this is real important. Paul is not anti-legal system. If you look at at Paul's life through his 13 letters in the book of Acts, he appealed to legal issues often. He, He appealed to the fact that he was a Roman citizen, which carried great legal weight. He would ask to see the governor, which was a legal process. He appealed to Caesar, which was a legal process. Paul was not anti-civics uh, and governments and judicial systems. What Paul said was going on was the people in Corinth and the Christian people, probably more the Greeks than it was the Jewish Christians, were taking all their junk that should have been settled and should have been handled among themselves, and they were airing it out in front of people who were not Christians, and it was destroying the name of Jesus Christ. You getting the picture here? And we live in a very litigious society too, don't we, today? 
I want to read to you some things I thought were funny. They're, they're true, but they're, they're interesting. Uh, in 2004, the U.S. House of Representatives passed a measure known as the Cheeseburger Bill. Any of you ever heard the Cheeseburger Bill? You read it and studied it. The bill is designed to protect the fast food industry from potential lawsuits from chubby customers. Now, I'm not making this up. Caesar Barber, 56, pointed the finger at McDonald's, Wendy's, KFC, and Burger King for his two heart attacks, his diabetes, and his weight problems. Gregory Rhymes, a 15-year-old high school student, joined his mother in blaming fast food restaurants for his obesity. Rhymes' mother stood before a judge and stated she always believed it was McDonald's problems, McDonald's issues, which caused her son to weigh 400 pounds at 15. Whoa. Representative James F. Sensenbrenner, Jr., says, Don't run off and file a lawsuit if you're fat. I'm reading, quoting him. Look in the mirror because you are the one to blame. That's a little harsh, isn't it? But do you see some craziness here? I'm 20 pounds overweight and I'm mad at the milkshake company. Okay, something's a little out of balance there. Uh, There is actually a group in Michigan that gives awards for the wackiest warning labels put on equipment. Any of you ever seen any of these things? They're they're pretty funny. Uh, Back a few years ago, 2007, the the bumper sticker or the, the, the warning label that won the number one thing for crazy warning labels, it was actually put on a tractor. It said, danger, avoid death by getting on this tractor. I think that's pretty funny. You guys obviously don't. But a, a company that makes on iron-on T-shirt transfers has a warning on their product that says, do not iron on while wearing. Ow, ow, ow. I mean, you actually have to put that on there. Uh, the third place was a company that put a baby, has a baby stroller that features a small p- a pouch Storage pouch, it says, warning, do not put child in bag. And, you know, the next time you see something stupid like that, turn it in, you might get some money. But you also have to realize the reason those things are put on uh, places like that is because that we are so silly in how we try to get money or blame other people. Here's what, you remember I, I said there's something interesting in those verses. Kyle, go back to like verse 3 or 4 there when it talks about, or verse 2 or 3, where it talks about uh, you, you will judge angels. Do you see that? How many of that sounds cool that you're going to judge an angel someday? Uh, that, that sounds odd, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, let me explain to you probably two possibilities what he's saying here as Christians that someday that when we reign with Jesus Christ that we will actually, we will reign over all of creation with him. And, and although you do not want to get into a fight with an angel <laughs> because they are a supernatural being and they will hand you your head, that you and I are above angels in the created order. We are created in the image of God. And that someday the angels who were created to serve God in us, that we will preside over them. And it probably also means that on that day in Revelation 20, when Satan himself is kicked into hell, you and I will be there cheering him on, cheering God on. Isn't that good? And here's, here's what he's trying to say. He's saying, look, you guys, someday, someday you're going to be ruling over angels, and you cannot settle small disputes among yourselves, and you Christians are taking 
your problems out and you're airing them out in front of lost people. And this is bad. He's saying as much as possible, if it is possible, try to work things out amongst yourselves. Get some Christian friends together. Get a minister involved if you can. And try to sit down and say, let's don't, let's don't let this make the papers. Let's don't, let's don't let this go to the civil courts. If, if there's any way we can get around it. Young people, again, maybe for you he's not talking about court. He's, and for all of us talking about life, try to handle your issues in, in, a, in a small arena so it doesn't hurt the name of Christ, Okay. Now, here's the third thing this evening that's really, to me, it's the theme of this passage. And that's this. Sometimes it's better to take it on the chin. Now, that's an old boxing or redneck um, uh, analogy that's saying sometimes it's better if if you don't win, if you don't get your way, if you take some abuse versus coming out holding the victor's crown. Verse 7 and 8 The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you're completely defeated already. Why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your own Christian brothers. Again, now, he's not primarily talking about a serious criminal issue Although there could be some, uh, some criminal issues you let go. He's talking about civil. He's not primarily talking about an issue we would have with a non-believer. Although I think that that certainly could apply too. He's talking particularly about Christian to Christian. And when he says wrong, he says when you get hurt, you get damaged. You get done unjustly and you get done wrong. Listen to what he says. Sometimes you need to just let it go. Now, how many of you would rather not have heard this tonight? <laughs> this flies in the face of everything we've been taught our whole lives, correct? Even by our Christian mommies and daddies. You see, when we insist on our rights, when we insist We have to have our way completely. Sooner or later, that becomes a fight that gets out in the public. And we hurt the name of Jesus Christ. True story. It was in the Sacramento Bee, Sacramento, California newspaper two years ago. The owner of Harv's Metro Car Wash is at work one day when two men show up at his workplace. This had to be some kind of mistake, but it literally happened. Two men get out in dark suits, very serious-minded, want to see the owner. And when they they come to him, they are IRS agents. Now, would that be a little unnerving for you? There's two IRS agents out here to see you. I'm not in for the next six weeks. Thank you. Wayne will take care of them and Josh. Josh. They came to him, they handed him documents. You, you know what he owed? Four cents. Four cents. Now, that made the paper. Somebody's head rolled when, when the, the administrators got a hold of that. But you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of you and me. We will get bent out of shape over four cents. 
we'll be willing to fight over the most minuscule things. We'll be willing to tear the family up, the church up, the community up to get our way. Small or slight. You know, being competitive is, is a good thing to, to an extent. But when your competitiveness is greater than your character, you're going to always compromise your character to win. Winning's not more important than your character. Some of us are so competitive. We've got to win. We've got to win. We've got, whether it's an argument, whether it's a checkers game, we've got to win. We've got to win. We've got to win. That is childish, immature, and unchristlike. Let me tell you something that's tough, but this is absolutely the truth. The cause of Christ and the cause of evangelism is greater than you and me. Young people, this is where you, not about court anymore. It's far more important than that. The cause of Jesus Christ, what if every church in America got a hold to this statement? The cause of Jesus Christ and the cause of evangelism is greater than you and me. In verse 6, but instead, one brother goes to law against another brother, and this is in front of unbelievers. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, uh, 33, it says, Even as I try to please everybody in every way, I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many. Read that last part with me. So that they may be saved. And then 11, 1, follow my example is I follow the example of Jesus Christ. Folks, sometimes it's worse to win than it is to lose. Sometimes it's worse to win than it is to lose. You know, the old redneck saying used to be, your rights end where my nose begins. You heard that before? And certainly there is some truth to that, but I want to tell you as a Christian, my rights end where the name of Jesus Christ and the sake of evangelism begin. I need to understand that that person going to heaven or hell is more important than that four cents. Jesus being dishonored or glorified is more important than me being able to pat myself on the back and say, I showed them they won't take advantage of me. I had a friend tell me a story. This happened in the 80s. He was a Christian. I guess he was 22 or 23 at the time. And a, a guy he had grown up with who was not a Christian, lived in the same, same town. They went to different colleges. They had grown up in the same church. They'd known each other since they were three or four years old. And the Christian friend uh, told me that this guy came to him and asked him if he could check a book out at, at the, his school's library. He said, my school doesn't have it. Can I check it out at your library? You'll have to check it out for me. My friend said, I, I told him, sure, I'll be happy to do that. Guy said, hey, don't worry, I'll get it back to you. You know, I'll get it turned in. Well, three weeks became six weeks, and six weeks became six months. And my friend kept calling this guy, and he wouldn't return his phone calls. And, and then eventually, my friend had to go pay for the library book. And it was probably 25 bucks in 1985, which would probably be 45 bucks today. And if you're in college, 45 or 50 bucks. If your mom and daddy aren't just throwing money, that's just a lot of money. Well, my friend was a new Christian, but he was a Christian. And he said, you know, I wanted to go pinch his little head off. 
but I knew I couldn't. And he said, God put me to the test. I saw him one day in town. He was working in a store, and he saw me. And he said when he saw me, he just turned, you know, he turned away. So this guy I'd known my whole life, grown up with. He said, I knew I had a choice then. I could go, and I could take his little pencil neck and, and ring it and tell him how mad I was and how, what a loser he was and all that. Or I could take the high road and the Christ road. So he said I walked right in there. And I went up to him, and I shook his hand, and I talked to him for 20 minutes, and I never mentioned that stinking book. <laughs> and he said about 15 years later, I'm sitting in my office where he works, and he said, this guy calls me out of the blue, and we talk about Jesus Christ for about an hour. He said, you know, I don't even know what the book was, but I know that that relationship and the name of Christ and the cause of evangelism was greater than the library book. Sometimes it's better to lose than it is to win. The cause of Christ and evangelism is always greater than you and me. Now here's the last thing the scriptures say, and and this is not pretty, that all these things are just symptoms of the real problem. These are symptoms, this going to court, this suing one another, these legal things are symptoms of the real problem. Verse 7 through 11, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you've been completely defeated already. Why not be wronged? Why not be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your, your brothers. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexual offenders, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you were. But you've been washed and sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. You know, it's kind of strange that he put all that thick stuff right in the middle of that. But I think what he was saying to him is, is folks, the, the real issue is, is normally not those out there, it's us. And I think he was saying to them, I, I believe most of you are saved. You've been justified. That's a legal act, theological act that happened the moment you became a Christian. God made you right in his sight. Washed in the blood of Christ, sanctified, an ongoing process of growing to be like Jesus. And I think he was telling them, act like it. <laughs> act like it. You cheat people, that was going on. That's wrong. That's a heart problem. You want to sue people over the littlest of things. That's wrong. That's a heart problem. Let me give you an example of, of that being wrong on both ends. Radio station in another city was having a promo that if you, you were, you know, caller number 14 and you guessed the song, you would win a hundred grand. How many of you could use a hundred grand right now? You'd tithe, of course, we know that. That'd be good though, wouldn't it? A little trip to Hawaii, you know, maybe uh, uh, a lot of things you could do with a hundred grand. So this girl stays on the radio for two hours and she wins. So they'd say, you come down to the radio station tomorrow and you pick up her hundred grand. 
She gets down the radio station. I want to show you what she got. It was literally a hundred grand Nestle's candy bar. She was suing the radio station for $95,000. <laughs> and the radio station was, you know, oh, we're protected legally. First of all, the radio station, that's creepy, okay? I mean, that, that's cheap. When you do that kind of thing, that's a hard issue. But I'm not sure you sue them for 100000 over that. You'd listen to a different station, correct? You, you, you turn to satellite radio or whatever. And what's what God's saying here? God's saying that the person who cheats has got a heart problem, and the person that's always got to win and's always got to have their way has got a heart problem. And I would ask you and me this evening as we look at this, what, what, is, what does God say to you? What does he say to us? Are, are you and I manipulative, deceitful? Do you always have to win? Do you always have to be right? Are you willing to take it on the chin occasionally if it means that Christ will be honored and that other people will be saved? Are you willing to take it on the chin? And let me tell you this, most of the time that doesn't, you don't see the fruit of that overnight. Either way, it takes time. But people notice the guy at the restaurant who sends his milkshake back 18 times. Just drink it and be quiet. I can promise you after time 15, you don't know what they're doing to that milkshake in the back room. It may feel macho to always be the one who's going to never let anybody run you over. You hurt the name of Christ. So what do we do this evening? We examine our hearts. And I'd ask you, what's, what's your heart saying to you right now? You're a Christian. Is there some of these things that you need to repent of tonight? Are there things that you and I need to say, God, help me as I move forward to know what's worth fighting for and what's worth letting go. Christian, where you're standing or at the altar in a moment, maybe you need to say that to God. Maybe you'd like to join our church tonight. Or maybe what I think Paul was hinting to some of those Corinthians about is maybe they, some of them weren't truly saved. Maybe tonight you need to give your life to Christ. I want to invite you to stand Whatever it might be, God could be leading you to do. Respond to it this evening as we sing.